Welcome. All right. Well, um, let me just start off this introduction as a way to kind of, uh, again, like I said, soften the blow. Today on this episode of Another Dumb Podcast, I um, basically jump into a little of what we talked about last week was um, basically talking about the the fan and the ticket and Richie Witt had updated his... um, updated his article or wrote another article basically doubling down and I read that article in all its glory and then we talk about the Conrad Roy um I'll just say the death of Conrad Roy and the interesting plot that goes on there it was basically off a documentary that I saw on HBO um and also I I start the episode vamping for about 15 uh, 10, 15 minutes about um, some podcast things. Uh, I just wanted to say um, the very few listeners that I got of this podcast, and I know it will grow and or it will die, I'm not sure. I, uh, I greatly, greatly appreciate every last one of you. Um, everybody's been very nice about this all. And that, uh, that really does... Um, mean a lot and I appreciate it um what I will say um let me just go right on here um now growing the show is not as big of a uh it's not as big of a um I'm not really trying to do that I want it to be more organic but you know I think if you find this interesting, um, tell somebody um, who might find it interesting as well. Especially some of the ticket stuff. There's some ticket and fan listeners who I think is going to have some crossover um, appeal there. Um, Some people that wanted to listen about fucking Conrad Roy. Why not? So give it a listen. We are currently on everything. um, Basically all the platforms uh i'm sure there's some that were uh not on but we're working on it uh hold on why did i say that uh currently uh, obviously sorry i'm trying to pull up the hell we're on i know that's why you hear the clicking noise and i do apologize <clears throat> um I, obviously, we are on iTunes. That was a uh, that was a big get, and we are also on Spotify. So, and there is the RSS feed that we have for um, Anchor.fm. So that's cool. You can copy it on the um, uh, Anchor FM. Anchor.fm backslash another dumb podcast is on there. Also, uh, again, Apple Podcasts. It says Breaker. Never heard of it. Uh, Google Podcasts. It's there. Overcast, which I actually... I know some people might uh, go, what the hell is Overcast? I actually just downloaded it because it's actually better for... um, I have some RSS feeds that I listen to that... uh, Yeah, and it's actually a lot more user-friendly. So, Overcast, Radio Public not sure what that is but we are on it so booyah so that is uh that is interesting so also you can follow on uh 
another dumb paw. Uh, is that um, is that what it is? I think that's what it is. That's what I had it on here. So uh, we're on Twitter, are we? Does it not say we're on Twitter? No, it doesn't say. There is a Twitter for another Dom Pod. Uh, you can find me at Brad Calhoun on Twitter. Um, yeah, be nice, but also be be truthful in all this. So because I don't I don't want people to to kind of beat around the bush. If I'm doing something wrong, obviously the one thing I'll say is wrong with this podcast is the audio. It's not that great, but it's going to get better. Hopefully, and also second thing, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not a professional broadcaster, so give me a break, okay? I sound halfway okay, and I'm getting better at talking and uh, feeling less insecure about it. So, uh, yeah, again, tell your friends. Um, I don't know, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. I'm scared. I think everyone's going to listen and go, this is awful. So, but I, I, I just want to say anybody that takes the time and listens to this, um, take a break, uh, you know, listen halfway through or listen all the way through, you know, it doesn't matter. So I just wanted to soften the blow a little bit there for you, but I appreciate it. Uh, and enjoy. Bye. You're listening to another dumb podcast with your host, Brad. second half sorry i had to i just now realized on what i was recording on they go hey you only have you can only record 60 minutes on this 
on this phone. Uh, well, on basically Anchor has this app that you can record everything up on. You should give it a try if you want to. But um, yeah, you can only record sixty seconds, and I'm sixty minutes, and I am going to um, obviously upgrade that. But regardless, let me let me get back to what I was talking about because I don't want this to be a super long episode. So, anyways, what I found intriguing about this is, you know, number one, this is a free speech type uh, argument. You know, can you, you know, if you're basically with um, if you're a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, and you go, and your boyfriend just is like, I want to commit suicide, and you just go, good, great, I think you should. You know, are you held liable? And and through that, I found out through the documentary that I'm pretty sure that this is not a precedent being set, that I think the judge actually did have to make a really, really tough decision. Um... Do I do I like the fact that um, <clears throat> that Michelle Carter's right now in a jail cell? I I don't I don't have any um, I don't that that doesn't bring me joy at all knowing that someone who really really needs help I think prison isn't the place for her I think she definitely needs to go to a psychiatric type situation to help her because I think she's gonna have some very tough things to deal with and psychologically she's still very very sick so I think she needs help with that um so the free speech part of it is something that I found really important and also I think kind of rested me you know rested easy that um in the future if somebody said you know whatever go kill yourself that they won't eventually be held liable and I, I don't think they will so that made me feel better um the other part of it is dealing with <clears throat> the you know with the topic of suicide and with the de- topic of antidepressants I think there's something to be said here you know I don't think it's a simplistic view I think committing suicide and all that I don't find to be a very um simplistic thing where you just go yeah you know you know you're either gutless or whatever about suicide I I don't really have um those type of views on it I think it's something we need to talk about I think it's something we need to deal with uh scares the bejesus out of me you know I have young daughters and I know how hard being in school and high school and everything else is and I take it very, very serious. So whenever I hear these type of, you know, stories, I only look at my daughters and I go, what can I do to keep them safe from these type of situations and make sure they never have to deal with it? I mean, and and what I can do to help is all I can say. I mean, I told this story. Um, I'm going to say it again because... Obviously, it was in an episode that will never be aired. But, um, again, first time I ever dealt with suicide, it was um, it was at um, Joe Bull Lake, there at the marina. Me and my dad were fishing all the time, and there was a guy who worked at the marina bait shop or whatever. And a young kid, I think he had like a, 
I want to say he had a ponytail. At least I have it in my head that he did. I don't know. Real cool, young looking, you know, good looking kid. Uh, you know, I think 17, 18, whatever. Um, girlfriend broke up with him. He went to her front lawn and he shot himself in the head. Killed himself. And I remember when that happened and my dad, you know, he had to kind of, you know, like, yeah, man, he, you know, to tell me that this guy had killed himself. And it was something that we had always, it always stuck in my head because there was times in my life that were tough and I was sad or I was going through a hard time. And I'm not saying I was ever suicidal, but these things you do have to put in your head. You go, listen, it's not going to end that. But my dad told me, he goes, nothing in your life is, is so bad that you have to kill yourself. And that's basically what he said. That's all he said. It was real simple. It's like nothing. Nothing in your life is so bad. And I know it's the simplest of you and everyone's got a fucking HS, you know, HSO on this type of things. But that type of thing, that, what he said, stuck to me. And it was at a young age. I don't know. I could have been maybe younger than my daughter, who's, who's 10. But I think a lot of those things stuck with me. Even when I was upset or I was sad. To, and digress, you know, and I digress, but I I feel like a lot of these things can be, uh, you know, dealt with people talking. And I think a community needs to be, um, you know, a family. I think in a lot of this, and I, I didn't even get into that part. But I think Conrad Roy's family had a definite breakdown in communication because I don't think they were very tentative, you know, gave enough attention to what their son was going through. And I think there was problems in the house. Uh, they came from a broken home. Uh, Mom and Dad had divorced. And there was, there was domestic um, issues going on there. You know, he... You know, the cops were called, you know, his dad basically beating the, beating the shit out of him, and, <clears throat> you know, they had a record of it. I mean, so, I think there was a lot of, a lot of guilt in, with you know, Conrad Roy's family, and they felt like, you know, his mom, you know, there was in text messages where Conrad Roy was talking about, oh, my mom saw my search history on, like, how to kill yourself or something like that, you know, she gets it, though, you know, or, you know, it could have felt like, you know, I know maybe he was putting a, a front, but, but but that hurt him a lot, that maybe his mom just saw that you're going to kill yourself, whatever. Or maybe she wasn't even paying attention. Maybe she kind of didn't know what she saw. But she said in there that I had no idea he was suicidal or whatever. I find that hard to believe. And with Conrad Roy's dad. So what I'm what I'm trying to say here <clears throat> is that there needs to be the family aspect, the community, you know, you need to have somebody to help you out along the way. And if you're just relying on friends who will never probably be there or whatever, you know, I mean, we need to do this type of stuff together, 
call some, you know, suicide hotline. Yeah, that's great and all. You need to have family together to help us, to help people through these situations. So, and I think, you know, dealing with <clears throat> real depression, I think, is, is something serious. And I think we need to treat it as that. And it is serious. So, that's uh, that's my little suicide talk, I guess. But I found it really interesting, and I hope I hope some of y'all do. If you do listen, I would, I would love to talk, whatever about it. And, you know, I think it was. I think it was really interesting, and I, I think it opened my mind on, to, on top of a lot of things. And um, I think there's a lot of lessons to be to be learned from it, you know. I think, you know, not just jumping off to, you know, jumping to conclusions on people that, you know, Michelle Carter was the, you know, the Antichrist or anything like that. I don't think she was. I think she was a very, uh, very sick lady, um, woman, or, I mean, she she was a woman now, but a sick girl who needed help, who needed someone to talk to. I don't think she had someone in her family. She didn't have friends, you know. Seeing a trend here, you know, it's when we need to get off these stupid phones and, and talk to each other. And I guess with podcasting, this is the only thing we have to to communicate with each other. That's not over a text message and people are getting mad and, and just seeing memes and stuff like that. Now we can actually communicate with each other and say, mm, boom, this is what, you know, this is what I think about this. So... I think that's all I got on that. It was kind of a long-winded thing, but it was actually very, you know, it was so important. I decided to talk about it twice because I'd already recorded about this stuff, but uh, the recording was so bad and, and the whole thing was a mess. So, sorry about the little jump there in the middle in the, in the middle of that, but uh, that's what, it is what it is. So, all right. Thanks, man. See you. And hello. Welcome. Hey, um... I guess we'll get right back right back into it. I'll um, first bring up a few things. Um, we are recording right now at a. It's now ten fifty three p.m. on December first, two thousand nineteen. I am. Um, I actually tried to record early this morning. It's been a wild morning, wild day, <coughs> and. Uh, I guess it all started with my... You're going to find out a lot of these podcasts at the moment are all surrounded of when my daughter decides to uh, wake up feverishly from her deep sleep. So, you know, um, now my now my daughter sleeps better than most three-year-olds, but I will say she gets these weird, um, <clears throat> just... Uh, she just jumps up at a, you know, under the most deep sleep and just decides that she's going to be awake now. So, it's, um, yeah, it's a work in progress, I guess, just like this podcast. So, um, yeah, I actually recorded something this morning. Uh, it actually took me a while to get going. And then when I finally did get going, 12 minutes, 12 minutes in, my wife comes in, goes, do you hear the baby crying and I'm like oh no I don't so I didn't have the monitor so uh, so yeah then I had to break to my wife earlier this week that uh, 
Yeah, I'd started this thing. And no, I wasn't like keeping it from her. I just wanted to see when I was, you know, as I kept doing this, then I'll be like, oh yeah, you know, I have like uh, 10 episodes down as a podcast. So, but my brother was, was talking about how he stupidly started playing this, um, this podcast in front of the kids, uh, in front of his kids. And I, I said, number one, that's, uh, not nice. Um, why would you subject your kids to this? Number one, I think it's, it, um, no way a kid should listen to this. Not that it's like, I've been actually, um, I really thought a lot of my podcasts would be a little bit more crass. And, uh, but I'm, you know, I guess I still have something to live for at the moment. So I can't uh, be as wild and crazy as I, as I maybe I would want to. But, um, uh, yeah, I feel like it's pretty, uh, what is it, like PG-13 maybe? I might throw, I might, an F-bomb might throw down every now and then. But, um, yeah, I would say it's a nice and PG. It's an adult an adult show, and yeah, I mean, but I guess if your kids want to listen to this, I doubt they do, because maybe I don't think it'd be interesting at all. So, um, and the, and as I said, this thing's a work in progress. I know that show's taken, that uh, show name's taken, but it seems perfect for this show. This should be like a subline, another dumb podcast, uh, another dumb podcast. Uh, a work in progress into perpetuity. Because that's all this is. It's just, um, yeah. It's just absolutely, continually trying to get better. Oh, I'm so glad that that just did that. See? See? This is not professional. Okay? None of this is professional. Stupid computer just started talking. You know? So, that's that's what I'm talking about. You know, a stupid laptop that takes 20, you know, 25 minutes to get loaded. And it's a Mac. But it's actually like a 10-year-old Mac. But regardless. Um, what I'll say, you know, I'm, I do have these little intros because I, I feel like I uh, I know how the podcast goes. So I'll need to, like, so, uh, cushion the blow a little bit. Like, what will this podcast be about? And I will, I will let you know. But, um, uh, where was I going with that? Oh my god. This is how unprofessional I am. I just went into a thought. I think y'all are just about to see, uh, that Brad has CTE. This is, this is great. No, regardless, I'll, uh, I wanted to talk about uh, it. You know, the only reason why I'm so flustered or um, halfway—I don't know—I got I got a lot of things that I wanted to talk about today. So, but then it was also like I was—I felt like I was racking my brain trying to figure out what to talk about today because it really felt like you know, with it being Thanksgiving weekend. There just wasn't a lot going on, so I couldn't do any, like, current current events type things. I had a few things in there, but, you know, this is going to be kind of a little bit of a hodgepodge of some things I wanted to talk about. Now, again, I recorded this one this morning. I tried to. didn't work. I recorded another one, which I think went 
just about as bad as a podcast could go. There was technical errors. There was... I mean, do you know how frustrating it is to record an entire, like, 30 or 40 minutes and then realize that... I'm not saying nothing was recorded. Um, It's just where you realize that no one should listen to this. You go for 40 minutes and you're just like, no one should ever listen to this garbage at all. That's kind of what happened to me. Because I was, I'm trying to actually get a backlog. Because I really feel like there's going to be some times where I'm not going to have either anything to talk about. Or I'm going to have a scheduling, I'm going to have a scheduling conflict. And I'm not going to be able to do anything. And the one thing I'm learning about podcasts, or like, you know, this is really what, you know, this is what it is. This is a podcast fan starting a podcast. That's all this is. Okay? And this is this is like fantasy football. You know, oh man, I love football. I'm going to have a fantasy football team. Well, this is my sad attempt at a podcast because I love podcasts. And I love, you know, it's like you have all these things that you want to talk about. You're listening to the podcast and then you're like, well, not to say, well, I could do that. It's more like, I want to do that. It's kind of what it is. So, you know, it's partially sad, but I think is um, interesting. Hopefully, someone else does. But um, I did want to get into, um, you know, I, I talked, I, I think I was straight up talking about people listening to this, but, you know, I I had spoke on the fact that, um, I can't remember what episode, maybe it was the first one I read. You know, my dad, who did listen, I know, I have, I have two listeners. They're both related to me. Yeah, that's sad. And <laughs> it's sad. But regardless, um, my dad pointed out, and he goes, you know what, you, you were right about that. He goes, when you had that little show, I mean, we had this Ustream show, me and Will, for a very short time, but he was he was like, You're right. And y'all were actually pretty good at that. That was interesting that was interesting conversations and that was entertaining. I think that's what this is all about. I want for someone to throw this on whether they're driving or you know, a long road trip or what have you, or at the gym. I don't know why you'd be at the gym listening to this. But, you know, I, I've listened to weird things at the gym. Um but that's that's kind of what it is. You want, hey, there's got to be you know something for everybody here where they can listen to it while they're doing whatever they're doing. And uh, and he goes, yeah, you you and Will were one of the first ones that not one of the first ones that were ever doing it. But what y'all were doing was somewhat of a podcast. And so then I texted I text Will who who currently lives in Austin. I said, hey man, I really, I really want you to listen to the first three episodes here, and um, you're definitely gonna have to be on it too, because I think a lot of the things that I really wanted to get down on, um, um, I guess with this podcast was 
you know, you can listen to me and you can either, some people can follow me on Facebook and, and, and Twitter or, or see my online, online presence. I hate that word, but you can see my online presence and be like, man, I don't know about that guy. And then you can, and then you can listen to this podcast and you're kind of going to go, oh, okay. There might be something there. And then, you know, uh, I bring up Jeff Cavanaugh because he's the only one who made the the actual tagline of, oh, Brad, yeah, that, that guy who's really mean online and really nice in person. That's kind of what it is. And it's, and it's not that... Um, it's really not like, oh, you know, I'm trying to be mean. It's, it is kind of like a, you know, it, for me, a lot of it is playful... I'm not going, you know, online going, ah, showed him, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, regardless, I mean, I didn't mean to side point that. But what it was with me and Will, and I told Will this. I go, I really want you to be on this. Not regularly, I mean, not as some full-time, because I think the logistics, the logistics of me trying to, like, try to get him on and trying to... Either Skype it or phone it in. It's going to be... It's going to be just... Kind of just too much. But I really want him... To be on this... In certain times. Because he's the one person... Who me and him don't fall... Um... Politically aligned. And... You know, he's... Really far left. I'm... I wouldn't say far right. I'm not far right at all. Um... And I wouldn't say he's far left. I think he falls left. Um, but I feel like I, um, you know, obviously some people would know that, you know, I do fall in line with some libertarian type leanings, and but I'm kind of all over the place. <laughs> Not just in this podcast, but politically. Um, and I told him, I said, you know, in all the conversations we've had, we've had tons and tons of of conversations and and like disagreements and what have you. We have never once raised our voice. We have never yelled at each other. We've never said, um, like, you're stupid. Um, that, that, you know, opinion is is stupid or any type of insults at all towards each other. Like we had this nice, profound respect for one another. And it's, you know, I can't say I've had that with a lot of people. You know, I've had family members, I've had other close friends that have had some type of political you know, disagreement. So, so I can say with one person, and that is Will. Will Will is one of those guys that I'm able to have a conversation with, and we don't agree with each other at all. But we all look at each other and we go, hey, you know, that's fine. I don't agree with you. So, so just a fair warning, Brad, uh, um, Brad and Will's Ustream show may make a, uh, re a a brief revival, but very, uh, you know, 
in short stints. You know, he lives in a completely different city, so it's not going to work out like where um, he will be able to to come in regularly, and it's just not going to work. So, um, so let me go over the few things that I uh, I wanted to go over. Um, going back to the last show, which dealt heavily with the ticket, um, it did 15, 14 minutes of vamping. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, regardless, um, Richie Witt, um, I guess this was a few days after I released that pod, I'm sorry, I'm like literally having heartburn as I'm sitting with this podcast. Oh my god, how old am I? So, bear with me, there's going to be a couple, couple pauses. So, so five uh, since five days ago. Hmm. So in here, Richie Witt wrote another article, article uh, titled "Radio Ratings Show 105.3 The Fan Is DFW's Number One." Well, so not only did he not backtrack after being uh, basically called out by Rich, uh, by uh, Junior Miller on uh, on their show they uh, during scatter shooting Junior did call him out or not call him out directly but he, uh, he he addressed them and said no we're still number one the ticket is still number one and the fan is not so this is a double down from Richie Witt saying no no, no uh, I don't believe they are so um, okay, I'm trying to read this part where, okay, in response to my November 1 wits end item in which I laid out dramatic shift atop DFW sports talk radio landscape, 13 ticket, uh, 1310 the ticket has apparently adopted the simpleton strategy of shoot the messenger. According to the ticket uh, loyal ticket listeners, one of the morning ho- morning hosts last Friday uttered this defensive, uh, defensive nonsense bullshit. He actually says bullshit in here. A very unreliable port- a reporter recently wrote that over the last six weeks, uh, over the last six months, the ticket has has a three point two share in the men's. Blah, blah, blah. Who cares? This is simply not true. In the last six months, the ticket has had a 5.3, which ranks us ahead of our competition. Uh, unquote. Quote, unquote. Sorry. Uh, cute spin, but altogether inaccurate. In today's climate, we call those alternative facts. Look at this. Can you tell? Richard Witt doesn't like Trump. Uh, this claim is most misleading as the coach of a 5-5 five and five team on a five-game losing streak. Oh my god. He does this again. <sighs> I'm going to read this over again because I want you to see this. This is just lovely writing. Uh, the claim is as misleading as the coach of a 5-5 five and five team on a five-game losing streak crowing that, hey, over our last ten games, we're a 500 team. I mean, true, but... Okay, God. Your analogies suck, Richie. It's just so... Okay, we get your sports. Just write the fucking article. Um, 
I, of course, did not write that 3.2 was a six-month average. Accurately, I did write that 3.2 was the October endpoint of the ticket's six-month nose drive and nose dive. Nose, he said nose drive. Nose dive. God, get a fucking editor. Uh, destination, alas, is much different than average. But when your crown has been unceremoniously nabbed off your smug nogging, what? Off your smug nogging year reduced. That's man. When you leave the telegram or wherever he used to write for, he, apparently he lost his editor. You're reduced to monkeying around with semantics in an attempt to sidestep the cold, hard truth. Diminish the message by denouncing the messenger. I get it. Call me a douche. Sure. Guilty. Refer to me as bitchy twit. That's one of my favorites. Please, I've been called much worse than my daring 33 years in this market. But label me as very unreliable reporter and question my credibility. Them's fighting words. Uh, <clears throat> let me tell you right now. Richie Ruit is an unreliable reporter. Okay? Well, let me just go back to Des Bryant. Um, Des Bryant's finger broken. He <clears throat> basically, uh, I can't remember what year this was. It was a long time ago. Probably 2011, 12. Uh, I would say probably 12. Um, Richie Witt blurted out, Ah, uh, he's out. He's out for the game. You know, he's got a broken finger. It's confirmed. Turns out, hmm, he wasn't. So, anyways, so he was unreliable. He was just going, oh, I just wanted to get this story out. You know, it's, 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 you'll see some things about a lot of the reporting that just didn't happen in sports. Sorry, I just hit that. But it doesn't just happen in sports. It happens in the media now as far as politics is people, instead of wanting to get stories right and accurate, they want to be first. And being first is so much better than being right and well, um, well, I'm sorry, well researched in the media, you know, and being well researched in, in your topic. Being well researched is not as sexy as, oh, I got a first. So anyways, uh, let me, as I, let me resume as far as that, them fighting words, well, come bring it, uh, Mr. Richie. What is he, like five foot seven? Looks like he goes to the gym. I'm sure he's a pretty tough dude, but allow me to retort with the cunning use of facts, accessorized with pictures and stuff. On local and national levels, I maintain industry sources. They have access to ratings. They supply me with the numbers. Nothing magical and nothing mysterious and remotely subjective about it. If certain, some of, uh, certain someone and his pals are claiming I'm fabricating numbers, they might as well call Mr. Nielsen himself. Bottom line, the 105.3 The Fan continues not to not only obliterate the ticket, but in November to rose to popular radio station in... Uh, blah, blah, blah. So they're popular. Okay, got it. Uh, and then are the numbers 
the ticket does not want you. As recently as May, the ticket was number one overall and the fan 14th. But in November, numbers released Monday afternoon. The fan is now uh, number one with a 5.4 and the ticket tied for 10th with a 3.2. It's a shocking polar shift like up being down left and right. Uh, okay. Let me let me read. You know, I, I think he's going somewhere and then he's going with his I'm so I'm such a great writer type of, or his he tries to think that he's like funny or something. So like up being like up being down and left is right. Taylor Swift not turning a single chair on the void. What? Who the fuck cares about that? And Jerry Jones actually consider considering firing Jason Garrett. Wow. I can't believe no one wants to hire this guy. It's not, however, a hiccup or aberration. It's now an eight-month trend in the wrong direction for the Heritage Sports Talk Radio uh, Sports Talk t- Station that for 25 years shrugged off pretenders to its dynasty like so many gnats at its annual victory parade. Oh, God. Uh, is he calling us gnats? Well, I don't understand. Shrugged off pretenders to its dynasty like so many gnats at its annual victory parade. <sighs> okay, Richie, whatever, man. Uh, to be fair, there are reasons for change, for the change, as... It's preposterous to believe that the ticket suddenly forgot how to do entertaining radio and simultaneously the fans somehow stole its mojo. As I've before in today's wholly unfair, unirrational, inaccurate PPM system, a severe ratings swing could be the result of something as a handful of listeners being forced to turn on turn in their meters because their two year listeners Listening period was up. That's right. Three P1s in Plano and a couple more in Aubrey yanked off the grid. Could reroute DFS. It's He's not technically wrong there. And I think the Nielsen ratings are total crap. They're, they're stupid. And, you know, I've had, a, I've had, I've had some interesting conversations with some uh, radio professionals about this. And I, I actually agree with Richie on this part. Because I think I think the ratings are kind of stupid. Where, you know, uh, again, like he said, it could literally be uh, three, you know, the five people being yanked off a grid can absolutely de- devastate your ratings. It's true. Right or wrong, the system is what it is. The ticket flourishes under it. Now, after an almost unbearable way, the fan gets his time on the throne. Whatever. Okay, I'm going to... That was fun. Thanks, Richie, for that. If you'd like to come on the podcast and discuss this. I mean, I'll say this again. I think momentum for the fan is a real thing. I think there are people who are listening to the fan a lot more than people want to um, admit to. <coughs> Sorry. 
I think there are a lot more who are listening that wouldn't admit to it. Or, I mean, they do admit to it. I mean, I talk to people, what do you listen to? Well, I listen to the fan. Oh, okay, cool. You know, or I've been out with um, some of these radio people and people come up to, I mean, or somebody would just be hanging out with us and um, just go, are you Jeff from, I'm sorry, I hate to out Jeff, but... You know, yeah, I mean, it happened. We were out with Jeff, and a guy who was just hanging out with us, he goes, oh, you're Jeff Cavanaugh, you know, from the fan. I mean, these guys these guys are known, okay? And it's not, you know, it's not a fluke, you know? And they do have the Cowboys on their station, and that is important. I think I think it is important. Um, and, I, and I think there is a part of when it's Cowboy season... People who are listening, I mean, they aren't listening year-round for Ranger scores and, you know, see how the Stars are doing. They are there for the Cowboys, and they want to listen to what is going on with the Cowboys. And that is a significant, because, I'm sorry, but the fan, and there are directives from the higher-ups and the fan to talk about the Cowboys. And you just talk about the Cowboys and talk about the Cowboys. And that's what you're supposed to do. So, it is what it is. I mean, um, I hate to talk about this so much because I already talked about it, but I just wanted to bring that up, that it did, um, he, he wrote that, that's fine. Um, and I think he's um, entitled to that. You know, I, I think, you know, he has a point. But he also could be less of a douche about it. I don't know. Um, anyways, so let me move on. Uh, I don't want to talk about that today. Um, I want to do an entire podcast on 90 Day Fiance. Like, straight up. I'm fascinated. I know people are like, what's that? And Hey, man. Um, when it's not time, you know... You know, I'm sorry, uh, I don't, like, actually make my wife listen or watch a bunch of sports, nor do I actually really care to watch a bunch of sports. I think uh, that's another another day to talk about the lack of sports in my life nowadays, <coughs> which is kind of funny talking about the ticket and the fan thing, because sports has dra- drastically dropped off here within the last three or four years for me. Like, where I had to watch the Cowboy game. Now, I miss the Cowboy game. It's not wor- not the not the end of the world. Cowboys win. Cool. If they lose, don't care. I really don't. They're like, it doesn't devastate me. And I almost laugh at people that it does devastate. Because I don't find it devastating. It's like someone's lost. You didn't lose. They lost. <laughs> you know? And, yeah, when they win... I mean, I, I know people have some... You know, um, emotional ties to these type of sports teams and all that. And I'm not saying it's not valid or whatever. It's, it's, I find it silly. I find it silly now. Kind of like, well, there's other things. I mean, I got, I got my family, my kids. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of into them. <laughs> you know, the, those are the type of things that devastate me. I have friends, I have family, you know, other people out there. 
you know, those are the type of things that I, and, and then politics. I mean, there's, there's something about, um, I really try to get into sports and, you know, all those type of things. And that never really brought me that much joy. It actually kind of, I'm not saying politics has given me any joy at all, but when discussing it, I don't feel like a complete idiot, because knowing half half of the story or half of what's going on in politics, um, yeah, you can really make yourself look like a fool, whereas sports, you can at least kind of, because really you don't know, I mean, you can kind of make it, fake it till you make it kind of thing, or politics, Right now, if you find someone that really has polished their sword in politics, you can get diced up really fast and made look like a fool. So, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, this 90 Day Fiance, uh, and and I'll I'll admit, I do watch this show. I uh, don't watch a lot of reality television. It's really this one and Big Brother. That's it. And there's something about uh, super weird, tragic people that, yeah, it intrigues me. I can't lie about it. So, I'm at 30 minute line, and I really am, I told you uh, that I had recorded a podcast. And the podcast um, did deal with... um, the topic I wanted to talk about today, it was, um, I don't know why it's not coming up, but there it is. Um, I wanted to talk about this documentary that I saw, and something that I've, I'd been intrigued with for, um, I don't want to say a few years, but when the story came out, um, uh, I was intrigued with it because there was some, um, huge, um, factors and free speech and stuff like that I was re- I was very um, concerned about so um, there's a documentary on HBO it is called I Love You hold on yeah I Love You Now Die The Commonwealth versus Michelle Carter um, now um, Michelle Carter uh for some people who don't know, Michelle Carter was the girlfriend of Conrad Roy. Conrad Roy, who's that? Well, Conrad Roy was the young man who was um, Conrad Roy, 18, and Michelle Carter, I believe she was 17 at the time, um, were boyfriend and girlfriend. <coughs> um... Um, Conrad Roy was very suicidal. Uh, one day, uh, he committed suicide with a generator in the back of his truck in the, in a, in a Kmart parking lot. Um, yeah, seems pretty simple. Somebody committed suicide and, and, but what does it have to do with Michelle Carter? Well, Michelle Carter, through hundreds of text messages and, 
talking to other people, talking to Conrad Roy. Um, basically, she was then, um, well, tried and convicted of manslaughter for the death of Conrad Roy because of the text messages that she sent him and that she had um, basically told him at one time to get out. Uh, that uh, Conrad Roy had gotten out of the car, out of the uh, truck, because he was scared, and she told him to get back in. It's a very tragic story. Um, and when it initially came out, it was a big wave of, you know, people saying horrible things about Michelle Carter, and you know, and I'm not, and I'm not, no. <clears throat> I really do want to defend Michelle Carter because I really think she's someone that really does need to be defended. You know, she's a very unlikable uh, character and, you know, it comes right off this page and you're like, man, screw this chick, you know. She basically told the guy to go kill himself. You know, who would do that? What's wrong with you? Well, as I was saying, it's better to be first than be accurate and to tell the most salacious story. You know, we don't technically know about, see, I'm doing like what Richie Witt does whenever he writes. I'll bring some fun analogy into it, but, you know, it's, I'm not saying it's true that the ticket is taking a nosedive and that their listenership is, is tanking and that the, the station is going down and that the fan is taking over. I don't know. We don't have enough information. You know, and basically, as what he's writing, is that the fan's obliterating the ticket and, you know, I guess they're saying here, you know, I guess they're on their uh, tail end, you know, I guess that party's over for them. And I really don't care to get into type of stuff like that. That means... We don't have enough information. And when this story came out, everyone had hot sports opinions on, hey, you know, Michelle Carter, man, what a, you know, she's a piece of shit. You know, I hate this, bro. You know, that are, it's saying all the horrible things about her. You know, oh, look at her. You know, look at her crazy eyebrows. You know, this bitch is crazy. And, and every bad thing you can think about in the book with this. Man, did you really think that you were going to get this type of conversation on a, on, a, on a podcast called Another Dumb Podcast? Well, you are. So, anyways, as I watched the, as I watched the uh, HBO documentary, I was actually pleasantly surprised about this. Number one, I thought it was going to be a roasting of Michelle Carter. Again, I was pleasantly surprised that it was, you know, what it, what it should be as a documentary. And I hate these fucking, I hate these hit piece documentaries where they have an obvious, you know, an, an obvious agenda. And don't just throw the facts on the, throw the facts on the table and let's see what comes out. Some people can have their opinions on something and some people can... 
and some people, uh, some other people might have a different opinion. <clears throat> you know, I truly, uh, I, I believe that's how documentaries should go. You know, don't put your don't put your Michael Moore spin on it about how great things are in Venezuela or some shit like that. I'm, I'm just saying, or Cuba. I, I'm just digressing. But anyways, um, I was very pleased with this. And if you do have HBO, find it. If you don't, still there, log in, and you can go watch it yourself. So, um, fun things that I learned about this documentary and this whole story. Um, number biggest one that I found out. So, Conrad Roy and Michelle Carter had been dating for, I believe, almost two years. If not a year and a half, maybe two years. <clears throat> they had, they had only met, in, not, they've only been in person. Hold on. I'm only, I think I'm really flustered because I'm literally dying inside. I have, <coughs> as, you, as you tell, this is going to be a coughing episode because I have the worst reflux right now. Holy crap. Gosh, it hurts. But, um, <clears throat> but, uh, what I learned is that, that over the two years or some odd years that they were together, <clears throat> they had only met up five times. Or five or six, very a handful of times over a two-year period. They, um, <clears throat> they actually lived 50 minutes away from each other, I believe. Uh, again, like I'll say... Um, God, that's right. Conrad Roy lives in a weird town. Mattis... Mattapoisit? Mattapoisit? Now do that, do that in a friggin... Uh, a friggin Massachusetts uh, accent. And Michelle Carter, she lived... Where did she live? It was something with a W. I can't remember what it was. They lived in different towns. That's for sure. He went to Old Rochester. And she went to King Philip Regional and Rentham. So those two towns are actually 50 miles apart. So again, they had only seen each other. They'd only actually been to, you know, face to face five times. This relationship lived I literally just yawned I yawned what time is it? it's 11.34 fuck so they lived on their phones and online and that's where this relationship blossomed and, and lived that's, that's all it was like it wasn't one that you know, started online, and then they would talk to each other and go out with each other in person. No, this was strictly on their phones, and that's why they had this 
just gigantic record of text messages that they're, you know, uh, all these people are just reading these two teenagers' text messages and trying to psychoanalyze everything. Um, so, yeah, I mean, these, this couple wasn't, I mean, they were a couple, but they kind of weren't. Um, I don't care about any type of their intimate relationship. It's not really any of my business. And that's what kind of is weird about this whole story and, and documentary and all this. It's all very weird because it's like, we're talking about teenagers, you know, who, I mean, this is nothing, this is kind of weird. You're talking about young, minor teenagers. But, regardless, um, and it looks like, um, through this thing, you know, I had heard, you know, going back to the initial things that I had heard about, um, Conrad Roy and, and, and everything, is that he was suicidal and very mentally ill, um, and that, that is absolutely true. Uh, Conrad Roy was always suicidal, and he, he, he told Michelle that he actually heard voices in his head telling him to kill himself, telling him that there was pain that he was feeling, and that the only... Oh my god, I shouldn't yawn this much. And the only thing that would actually help was to kill himself. Okay, well, so Michelle Carter, for, I would say, a majority of this relationship, is talking this guy off the, sh off the ledge every time, telling him he loves, you know, you know, I love you, and, you know, please don't do this, I, I care about you, and that is the majority of what this relationship was. Was he telling, you know, him telling her, I'm suicidal, I want to kill myself. Then she going, what the hell's wrong with you? No, do not kill yourself. And just over and over and over. I mean, you know, and I had originally thought that it was kind of a breakdown of like, fine, kill yourself. Like, do it already. And that's not exactly the case. Um, it just isn't. I mean, uh, this, this, this got a lot darker than I thought. This was a dark, deep, you know, this is a really, really dark relationship. This is a relationship that dealt around death, darkness, and just a lot of, just very... I want to use a different term than dark, but that's the only thing I can think of, is it's just dark. Just talking about suicide and death and, and you know, things that normal teenagers don't talk about. Well, there was a reason, you know, again, Conroy was absolutely suicidal, mentally ill, and on SSRIs, you know, antidepressants, you know... All the stuff that, anything that you, I mean, I want to say that, you know, if you don't want to be, you know, if you're suicidal, don't take, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not any of those. But we, there are, thing is with the, with the mind, from what I've 
what I've been able to tell about a lot of this is is that nobody knows what's going on in people's brains. And that's why I think a lot of this AI thing, this AI stuff, is kind of, I don't want to say overblown, is because they really don't understand how the human mind works. They don't understand, like, literally, you say, go to the doctor and you say, I'm depressed, I'm suicidal. They go, okay, we're going to put you on these medications. Or we're going to put you on this medication. They go, okay, come back in a week. Try not to kill yourself, please. Because, you know, some of this stuff can make you suicidal. So then they have to evaluate you constantly every week. And they go, how are you on this medication? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty good. Okay. And then as it, and then maybe as you even take it longer, your brain actually maybe even get used to it and then maybe counteract it or, or whatever. And then, you know, comes up, you know, a few months later, you go, yeah, I'm actually I'm very depressed again. Okay. Well, okay. That's fine. We're, we're going to put you on this other medicine. But they don't know. I mean, it's not like, it's not like treating other types of diseases where you know if you take this medication everything will be fine we don't know about antidepressants and all these medications we just don't know everything's a guessing game and we're trying to get ourselves to be better but it also might be killing ourselves it might be it might be making things worse because i mean there are i i would love to know what this if there's a term for this but there are things that stop us from having homicidal and suicidal tendencies. There's this thing in your mind which makes you stop. You know, you could be really mad. You can. That's why a lot of these type of things are shocking to hear. Oh, he committed suicide. Oh, he, you know, he killed all those. He killed all those people. And then you, I mean. I mean, it's, go look at all the school shooters, every last one of them, the percentage of those people that are on antidepressants, any type of SSRIs or any anything altering the brain, they've got it in them. Every last, I mean, I'm sure there's got to be one who's just flat out crazy, I guess, and didn't need any help. But... Most of them are on medication that has basically driven them crazy. And they do these psychotic things. Because that thing was just... There was a roadblock. You know, I'm not going to kill a bunch of people. You know, a lot of people can have those thoughts or have suicidal thoughts. But there's that roadblock. And you're like, should I kill myself? And most of the time, that block in your head goes, no, I'm not. I can't kill myself. I literally can't do it. Where, and should I kill that person over there? I'm really mad. You're like, no, I can't. I can't physically kill someone. And these medications, they eliminate, they eliminate these, these roadblocks and they give us the agency to do these type of things. So, Conrad Roy was on this. 
So I'm not getting this into a whole antidepressant thing, but it, antidepressants are a big part of this. Um, because we find out that when I say Michelle Carter, for the most part, was very supportive as a girlfriend, was trying to help him, was, was genuinely concerned. Um, did she have her own problems? Absolutely. She had a problem. Uh, it says, I believe here somewhere, that she had uh, developed an eating disorder. <clears throat> at a very young age, um, she had, she had her mental issues too. I mean, there's this one part where they talk about how she's very uh, she's very sad that during the summer she basically hung out with no one. She was begging people to hang out with her, and no one wanted to hang out with her. Well, then as you dig, dig, dig deeper, see this is what I'm saying. You can't judge everything by a book by its cover. Find out Michelle Carter, who is also on medication, on antidepressants, on the SSRIs. <clears throat> so, has been the supportive you know, girlfriend who, you know, got a text message from Conrad. Hey, where you been? You know, like, oh yeah, you know, I tried to kill myself. Uh, what? You tried to kill? Why are you doing? What? What's wrong with you? You know. I mean, there's no doubt this girl had some psychological issues as far as she wanting to be liked, she wanted to have this attention. There's no doubt about it. And that is a lot of this, a lot of what a lot of the stuff is, is, you know, I, I'm sure people have thoughts, you know, hey, what if I died? You know, a, a lot of people will finally care about me or will they even care about me and you know, you know, this chick wanted attention. There's no doubt. She wasn't getting the attention. This is legitimately what it was. People were on the stand talking about, Michelle Carter was your friend, right? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, sure. I guess we talked. Um, okay, she was your friend. Did you hang out with her that summer? No, I didn't hang out with her. Sorry about that. I literally was just sitting here and I heard voices. Not like Conrad. Not like Conrad. Um, but I was literally just sitting here. I'm like, I hear something. I'm trying to talk. I thought it was the TV in my bedroom, which I guess I could hear. But there was, um, <laughs> in my wife's office, there was a video that just spontaneously decided to turn on. That was weird. Okay, I'm going to try to get through this here. But, um... Michelle Carter was was very, yeah, she was very depressed, and I think there was a, the attention part, and I think that was a huge part of it. I don't, I don't ever deny that um, Michelle Carter strived for that type of attention, um, <coughs> and I think um, then became a part that you know, like I said, she was on SSRIs, she was on depressants, 
<clears throat> antidepressants, and um, she, there was this turn, and I, and I can't remember the actual date that they say, they said there was like a two week, maybe a month period, it's obviously about two weeks before um, uh, Comrade Roy committed suicide, but she started having much darker thoughts. Her thoughts got into, yeah, we need to absolutely commit suicide. You know, basically like a Romeo Juliet type of thing. You know, it would be really great if we, you know, died. And, you know, this is, you know, watching this documentary, you're like, oof, this is dark. You know, this is really, really some dark stuff. Um... So they had this, um, and there's one guy in the documentary who I find to be the most rational person in this documentary. He's a psychologist, I can't remember his name, you'll see him, he's an older guy, and I think he actually knows, he's dealt with uh, Michelle Carter, and, <clears throat> and there's no doubt he has sympathy for her. But he really, he's like, I need to line this out. And, and you again, you'll have to see this. But what I, what I basically wanted to, to, to go over is that this is one of those stories that, <clears throat> I mean, even I jumped to this because, you know, I really thought this was going to be a, oh, I can only do, uh, well, that's okay. I'm going to uh, stop this one right now.